I, uh, as I was um, studying for First John, I felt like it was, uh, it was a good time to take a break from First John. I wanted to study about the glories and the wonder of Jesus Christ, uh, since we are talking about his incarnation in Christmas and what that means. And I think it's a good reflection, a good time of pondering, of wonderment, to think about our Lord Jesus Christ and to guide our families and those who we love, our friends, our neighbors, into what this actually means. Turn with me to the book of John, that is the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John. I remember trying to share the Gospel with a co-worker when I was working in the Bay Area around Christmas time, this was years ago, and I simply explained the virgin birth and the incarnation, that is that God came in the flesh, he put on flesh, and his name is Jesus to die for my sins. I explained that to him. He laughed, and he said, Christmas is whatever you want it to be. You can define Christmas however you want. And sadly, most folks believe that, that there, there's this belief that undergirds this thought that you could define Christmas any way you want, that Jesus is no different than you and me. He may have been a good teacher or a good moral man, but that's it. There's certainly nothing divine about him. There's certainly nothing to make much ado about him. I don't have to change my life. He is your story, your mythology. There's nothing that really imparts into my life. There's no change in my life. Regrettably, my friend failed to see the utter uniqueness of Christ, and therefore he saw no wonder or amazement at the Christmas story. Now, if Christ is not God, there is no wonder. There is no astonishment. In John chapter 1, we're, we're actually not even going to go through a whole verse. We're just going to go through a phrase. Okay? Just through a phrase. In John chapter 1, he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're just going to pause as we contemplate the very nature of Christ himself, and we're going to talk about what we call the pre-existence of Christ. In the phrase, in the beginning was the word. Okay? We know this to be the, the prologue of John. This is probably some of the highest language ever spoken about the deity of Christ himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, just as an outline, you could say that he has no beginning. He is eternal. He is pre-existent. And the way the phrase acts there is in the beginning, really in beginning, really in the Greek device, in the Greek language there, it really means in any beginning. In any beginning of beginnings. If you were to pick a beginning, say the beginning of California, he was, it says, was the word. He already existed. The beginning of the United States was the word. He already existed. The beginning of Europe was the word. The beginning of history was the word. The beginning of creation was the word. So John says, in the greatest of languages, in the, and, and it's almost straining to explain it, that Christ himself, before any of this was ever made, before all of us were ever created, before we were even thoughts in this universe, was the word. That means he existed. We know very clearly that the word from verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know the word is Jesus Christ. Okay. And then later on, he's going to talk about, and the word was with God. That is, that is his, he is distinct from God the Father, and he is intimate with God the Father. We're going to talk about that later. There's distinction and intimacy with that phrase. And then lastly, and the word was God, that is his full deity. He has full deity. Unmixed, unmingled is the way the creeds talk about it. But we're going to talk about simply in the beginning was the word. And I think we need to stop and contemplate and breathe this and let this be the air that we breathe. Because here's, here's what happens when 
when all of the Amazon orders come in and when all of the targets are full and when, when you're rushing here and there, we forget. You know, I was, I was moved to tears when we were, when we were singing that song, uh, What Child Is This, right? Notice this line. I don't think we stop to think about this here. He says, what lies, why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding good Christian fear for sinners here? The silent word is pleading. Nails, spears shall pierce him through the cross. Be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean a state? I think that spoke to me. Why? Because the God of the universe, it isn't just that someone was born poor. We have millions and millions of babies born poor. It is that the God of the universe without beginning came in the flesh and was born in a manger, born in a filthy stall. And we have to stop and to contemplate that and to praise him for what he did for you and me. So my prayer this, this morning, this is a bit of, this is a, a little bit of a, a, an expansion of this phrase. In the beginning was the word. My prayer is that from this sermon you'll be refreshed in utter amazement and therefore grow in greater worship and devotion to Christ because he who had no beginning came to die for you. Now there are four aspects of this pre-incarnate and if you're following along when I say incarnation all that means is Putting on flesh. When we say pre-incarnation, all that means is before Jesus was born. Okay, Before Jesus was born. There are four aspects of his pre-incarnate existence. And first, we're just going to talk about Jesus' pre-incarnate existence explained. Jesus says often in the Gospels, I was sent. I did not come. I came for this reason. I did not come for that reason. Notice in John chapter 17, and we're going to be jumping around a lot this morning. John chapter 17 and verse 14. I have given them your word. The word has hated them because they are not of this word, even I, as I am not of this world, of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says in verse 13, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy and be made full. Notice he says in verse 18, as you, Father, sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, Jesus is using specific language and he is stating to them not that his existence began at in Bethlehem. Not that his existence began in the manger. He's saying, no, I existed far before that. In fact, God sent me. God the Father addressed me, sent me. See, my existence doesn't come just like as all of you have said here, you know, and, and you guys came into the, through the door. I know you didn't start existing when you came through the door. I didn't say, oh, you exist now. I'm glad you're here. I know Right? I know by observation that you existed before you entered the door. So he says, I just came here. This is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying the very same thing. I come, but I've existed far before that. Right? And he's using this language. His preexistence is detailed. Notice it is uh, first in John chapter 1, if you follow his preexistence, that is, if you're following along. That he existed before he became in the flesh. Okay, he, he existed before he was born in the manger. It was before John the Baptist. Notice in John chapter 1 verse 15. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was of he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Which is interesting because John the Apostle is quoting John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus's by by flesh, Jesus's older cousin. You understand? Okay. So he has an older cousin and he's saying, look, Jesus's rank is higher than mine. Jesus's person is higher than mine. I only declare who he is. And then John the Baptist still, even though he says he ranks higher than me, he is before me. 
he says this. He existed before me. Now, how can that even happen, John? You were born before Jesus, John. Okay. But John is saying, and he is affirming with what's already said in John chapter 1. He's affirming with what John, Jesus will say in John chapter 17. That Jesus existed before me. Even though in chronology, John the Baptist was older. Secondly, Jesus existed before Abraham. Notice in John chapter 8. Now, the story of Abraham and the history there of Abraham was from this time between 1800 to 2000 years before. In John chapter 8, remember when they are claiming that Jesus was born of an illegitimate relationship. He says in John chapter 8, Remember what they're insinuating, verse 41, they said, we were not born of fornication, we have one Father, God. And so what they're saying is, Jesus, we know about you, we know about Mary, we're not born of fornication, and they're insinuating that Jesus is. And so Jesus says, if God were your Father, verse 42, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative. Right? Notice he says that. And he's explaining. Verse, verse 52, the Jews said, we, and this is where they all have their own, their, own, uh, their own pride. They would say, now we have Abraham, right? And then verse 43, they say, surely you're not greater than our father Abraham. And then Jesus says this, astounding words in verse 54. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have come to know him, and I know him. If I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. And then verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And notice what the Jews said. You're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? So they're saying, what are you saying? What are you saying? Right? They're picking up on what Jesus is claiming, right? Jesus is claiming. First, he's giving, he's implying it, right? He's simply saying, "Your Abraham saw me. That's interesting. Abraham was born 1,800 to 2,000 years before. And then the people go, what are you saying? Are you saying you're greater than Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, and now he says it in very clear terms of his pre-existence, right? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And then he claims the very name of Yahweh himself. Do you remember the same name he said in Exodus chapter 3? When there was a burning bush. And Moses says, who shall I say sent me to Pharaoh? And he says, tell him, I am sent you. Right? And so now Christ is bridging the two. And he is saying, that I am is me. And people say, well, that's not what he's saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. You're putting too much into it. Look at verse 59. Okay, Verse 59. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The enemies knew exactly what Christ was saying. He was saying, I am greater than your patriarch, greater than the founder of Israel. I am greater than all of that. I existed before him. In fact, he saw me and rejoiced in my day. We can keep going back even in John. We know in John chapter 1, but notice in John chapter 17, he is prior to even creation. In John 17, notice he says in verse 5, he says, Now, Father, look at this verse, guys. Notice the glory and the majesty of this verse in this high priestly prayer he says now father glorify me together with yourself with the glory 
which I had with you when? Before the world was. And this is why, brothers and sisters, we got to make a big deal of Christmas. It's because of the one who came. The one who came, right? Notice in John chapter 6, and we're going to just take a look how it's clearly stated in John chapter 6. Notice John chapter 6 and verse 62. He says, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a difficult statement. Verse 61, Jesus conscious that his disciples grumbled at it and said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was, what does it say? To where he was before. The Son of Man, Jesus, is. this is not just some title that he made up. He's actually using the title that Daniel and Ezekiel used of the one of the one who was, uh, if you remember in Daniel, when they had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, who is that fourth figure there? He looks like he is of the Son of Man. And Jesus is taking that title. He says, that was me. That was me. And now he says in 62, the Son of Man ascends and descends into heaven, and he comes from where he used to be. I used to be there, right? We know that from John 8, 58. But notice even in Micah, I love to read this verse. Um, if you guys could find Micah with me. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, right? Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Notice, I want you to look at this gem here. And he says in verse 2, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says here, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem, right? From you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. Which one? Who's going to come forth? Well, he comes from Bethlehem. It's amazing, isn't it? And he says, his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. I think as, as we think about this, you know, um, we kind of laugh at that song, Mary, Did You Know? But there's a lot of truth in that song, right? That as Mary held the baby, who was just born moments before. She was looking into the eyes of one whose goings forth was from all of eternity. Does this make you stop and tremble, Christian? The one who would not be trapped voluntarily traps himself in time and space. The one who is of spirit voluntarily puts himself into flesh. The one who is uh, transcendent beyond time and space traps himself into time and space on your behalf. This is the eternal, glorious, magnificent Christ. Brothers and sisters, don't trade this for the few pittance of some kind of Santa old man in some cap with some gifts, giving people their gifts if they're naughty or nice. Let your family be enveloped. Let yourself be enveloped in this truth that this one being whose travelings have gone forth from all of eternity came for you for you. His preexistence was understood. You could write John 8.59. We already looked at that. Where his enemies, they knew exactly he was claiming equality with God. It kept on going. Right? There's a quote there, and I'm going to read this. It's from uh, 
Oswald Sanders, if you remember, he's written that one good devotional book. He wrote this book called The Incomparable Christ. And he says here, Jesus was unique among men in that his birth did not mark his origin, but only his appearance as a man on the stage of time. Of no other person would it be possible to distinguish between his birth and his origin or to say that his one life did not begin when he was born. Jesus was the meeting place, I love this, was the meeting place of eternity and time. The uniting, I changed the word there to uniting because blending is an incorrect word to use. Okay. The uniting of deity and humanity, the junction of heaven and earth. His origin was not related to his birth, nor his nature dependent only on human ancestry. His nature was derived from his eternal being. He did not become God's son at the incarnation or when he rose from the, from the dead. He is God, supreme and without beginning. Close quote. This is who we worship. This is who we praise. Now, secondly... Secondly, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about the pre-existence of Christ. It ought to make us temporary beings tremble. Tremble. Secondly, Jesus' pre-incarnate relationships outline, his pre-incarnate relationships. And now notice, remember in John chapter 1, we said in the beginning was the word. And what that stressed is God's, Jesus' eternality, his preexistence. Number two, it says, and the word was with God. This stresses his pre-incarnate relationships. First, that it is intimate with Christ, with, right? But it is distinct. Christ is intimate with God the Father, but it is distinct from God the Father. We know that from Within the triune Godhead, we know that there was eternal glory. We saw that in John chapter 17, 5. We also know that there's eternal fellowship. We see that from John chapter 1. And the word was with God. That is a term of endearment, a term of intimacy. But notice there's also eternal joy and love with the Father. John chapter 17 John chapter 17 and verse 24. Well, notice his, as he's praying, let's start at 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Notice verse 24. Notice what he says. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Sometimes you'll hear teachers or even songs, Christian songs say, well, the reason why you're created is because God was lonely and he needed to have fellowship. 